You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Before we check in with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, here is Tom Brady yesterday after the game talking about Antonio Brown. How disappointed are you? Uh, Bruce Arian said he's no longer a Buck. Yeah, I mean, that's um, obviously a, a difficult situation. And, um, you know, I think we all want, you know, him to, to you know, just I think everybody should find, you know, hopefully do what they can to help him in ways that, you know, he really needs it. And, um, you know, we all love him. We care about him deeply. You know, we want to see him be at his best. And, you know, unfortunately, it won't be with our team. But we have a lot of friendships that, that will last. And, again, I think the most important thing about football are the relationships with their, your friends and your teammates, and they go beyond the field. And I think everyone should, should be very compassionate and empathetic toward um, some very difficult things that are happening. And here's what Bruce Arians had to say. This is all he had to say about Antonio Brown. We want to talk about that last drive, but I have to start with, uh, can you tell us, what happened to Antonio Brown? Did he quit? I've never seen a guy leave a field like that, and is this the last strike for him? He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. Let's bring in Greg Allman. He covers the Buccaneers for The Athletic, and uh, he joins us on the program. Greg, thanks for joining us. What led up to this moment with Antonio Brown? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard. There's a, a little bit of a he said, she said in terms of whether uh, whether Bruce Arians – told him he was done for the day or, or asked him to leave. Um, it's one of those where AB's been dealing with an ankle injury for some time. Um, my understanding of things is that they asked AB to go back in the game, and he said he couldn't because of his ankle. And Bruce told him, well, if you're, if you're not going in now, you're done for the day. And that set him off. And that's what set him to pull his jersey off and his shirt off and run through the end zone to the tunnel and, and out, of the, out of the bucks, if not out of the league. What was his injury status going into the game? Yeah, he had, he had tweaked his ankle midweek, didn't practice after Wednesday. So it was kind of a question mark whether he'd go or not. Uh, but he looked fine before the game, um, had a nice catch, had a 21-yard catch earlier in the game. Um, seemed fine. It didn't seem like something to be an issue. Obviously, you can aggravate things pretty easily during a game, but was kind of getting his normal usage, normal playing time. He's got some incentives that would have kicked in with, with a few more catches or, or one more touchdown. Um, so, no, everything seemed like he should be – I had first noticed it just on that drive. It was, it was a touchdown drive, and I saw Brashad Perriman was in the game kind of for the first time, and it was like, wait, why is Brashad in the game? Where is A.B.? And it kind of went from there. There was a moment, and I took note of it. Brady's walking down the sidelines, and he's talking to a couple of guys. Like he, I, I felt like he was like, let's go. And he, he says something to Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown looked like he was so disinterested so I don't know. I don't know where we were at that moment, or he was in his head, but it felt like he had already checked out. I don't know if I'm being fair to the situation, but I did. It was interesting because Brady's always Brady. Antonio Brown, you know, he's he's following Tom. I mean, he's there because of Tom, and right. that's what was surprising. And wasn't Brady in the huddle when AB did what he did on the sidelines? So I mean, he had to be going. What the hell is going on here? Right. Oh, and, and, and talk to players. I don't think we really got an answer from players. We didn't talk to Mike Evans. Mike was probably the, the guy that was the closest to trying to rein Antonio in and kind of say, hey, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't walk off the field in the middle of the game to no avail. Uh, so, yeah, when we talked to – when we asked other guys, even, even Le'Veon Bell, who's known AB since Pittsburgh days, you know, I, I don't think he realized the extent of it until even after the game uh, in terms of this, the finality of it that he's done. Um, I think it just kind of unfolded, and, and as you might imagine – Brady and, and most of the guys in offense were focused on trying to get a touchdown just to make it a one score game late in the third quarter. Yeah, that's crazy. Where did he go after the game? 
it, it's funny with AB, like everything is on social media. So like went into the tunnel. Uh, I think ESPN said he had asked security at the stadium for a ride to the airport and they declined. Uh, and then, you know, he's waiting outside the stadium. He got kind of a celebrity Uber driver in New York to take him into the city. It sounds like um, he's posting links to rap songs. He's posting. I, I don't know that he's back in Tampa yet, but he's uh, it's kind of immaterial at this point where he is. It felt like Bruce Arians was in a real delicate situation here because Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown. And I don't know if Bruce said, look, he's on your in your care. He's on, under your watch here, Tom, because I don't want him here. It felt like he didn't want him back after the, you know, the fake vaccination card. How much of this is on Tom Brady of this situation where it is right now? I think Tom vouched for Antonio. I mean, and it's funny because they played together for one game. They don't have this long history together like he had Edelman coming in or something. But I I do think having Tom vouch for you carries a lot of weight with this team and with his coaching staff. Um, And I do think, you know, Bruce Arians was reluctant on this. If you talk to Bruce, you know, early 2020, he said it wasn't a match. He said he was too much of a diva. And I think part of it was just the injury situation of the first half of last season. The Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were both dealing with injuries and they wanted to insulate themselves. They wanted one more pro bowl level receiver that brady would have no matter what and and you take the risk that comes with that and and even at the end of last season he catches a touchdown in the super bowl and you think how remarkable it is that that things came and went the entire season without incident he didn't say or do anything wrong and unfortunately that came around you know here with the vaccine card issue this summer he's greg allman he covers the buccaneers for the athletic um could they deactivate him to keep him off other rosters here I'm curious about that. It's a little bit like they had to deal with Keyshawn Johnson uh, the one year where they kind of kept him on the roster at the end of the year. I don't know how likely another team would be to sign him. You want to think there's a level of radioactivity where you don't pick a guy up immediately, but I'm sure somebody with the Raiders or (laughs) this is the NFL. (laughs) This is the NFL, Greg. Come on. Right. (laughs) Um, Maybe Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe uh, Tom reaches out to Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, it sounds like they've got a podcast together. It sounds like Larry is is pretty retired. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing, obviously, Brady's <laughs> been able to bring guys out of retirement before. So if it's not Fitzgerald talk, it's Edelman talk. Um, I, I think they probably have to move forward with what they have, but they've got some some big names they can call if they wanted to. I just wonder how formidable this team is now, as opposed to last year when they were on the roll, they were healthy. This year, I don't know if they're on a roll and they're not healthy. Um, handicap their chances here come playoff time. Yeah, it's tough because they're missing so many guys. I mean, it's not just Godwin and Brown at receiver. I mean, Leonard Fournette is a question mark. Levante David is a question mark. Um, Both of their pass rushers, Shaq Barrett and JPP, didn't play yesterday. So you don't know how close to 100% they're going to be in two weeks when the playoff starts. I think they can help themselves with seeding. Um, The Cowboys losing yesterday bumped them up to a three seed. Um, If they can get the Rams to lose on Sunday, they could be a two seed. Um, Tom Brady's path to the Super Bowl has always been at home. Last year was kind of an anomaly because being on the road, you didn't have to deal with crowds. So they won three road games, but they did it in largely empty stadiums. So I think if they want to be able to get to Los Angeles, uh, they need an easier path. And I think right now, they're probably going to have to go through Lambeau no matter what. Unless somebody can take care of the Packers before they get there, it'll be the same thing they had last year, an NFC Championship game in Green Bay in January uh, and a lot more fans there this time around. I know Tom Brady was saying that, you know, we should be compassionate here. You know, let, let, let's look at this. If Like he's acknowledging Antonio Brown has something issues, but were those issues addressed as a person, not a player when Antonio Brown got there? 
I mean, Tom knows that that there's something there. I just don't know if he was seeking help or helping him to be, you know, be more comfortable in who he is here. Yeah, I think, you know, early on when he became here, he talked about, you know, meeting with Tony Robbins, getting to a better place. I think there was a time last season where he was really in, in good in a good place in terms of handling himself, um, having the right attitude, not only about football, but everything else. I didn't get that sense as much. And I don't know if the Bucks helped him this fall, just in enabling him. You know, you think about yeah. what he did, the way the team backed him, how critical Arians was of the initial report, how dismissive he was of any criticism of his decision to keep him on the team. I think it probably just emboldened Antonio Brown to think he can do whatever he wants. And that's what you saw yesterday afternoon, for sure. Is Bruce Arians on the injury list? He does. He's gotten. A, he told us last night that his Achilles tendon is 50% torn. So he's doing everything he can uh, to avoid surgery, both now and in general. He's 69 years old. Uh, An Achilles surgery is a big thing at any age. I mean, we saw yesterday before the game, he, he literally took, he, he has a golf cart that he usually rides around practice in. And they literally took him all the way out to the 30 in pregame and dropped him off to be on the <laughs> sidelines. I think it's just a lot right now uh, for him to be standing for three, four hours on a sideline. And I'm sure whenever their season is done, he'll be able to do some things to make things better. But right now, it's it's not a comfortable thing for him. Greg, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Hey, thanks again, guys. That's uh, Greg Allman, the uh, Bucks beat writer for The Athletic. Be sure to catch the live edition of The Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Paul Feinbaum, who joins us now, the host of the Paul Feinbaum Show on ESPN Radio. Paul is part of ESPN's exclusive coverage of the 2022 college football playoff national title game, kicking off next Monday, January 10th at 8 Eastern. Paul, is it a good thing that Georgia and Alabama are meeting again for a national championship? Well, you know, Dan, I'm contractually obligated not to say anything <laughs> negative. Um, but I, I don't, <laughs> and, and by the way, keep that in mind for the next question or the one after that as well. <laughs> I heard the uh, previous segment. Yeah. Um, I, I this is not a good thing for college football, and and I say that because I, I think the whole idea for fans is that you want to see something different, you want to see something interesting, you would like to see. Uh, east versus west, north versus south. So seeing a game that we saw five weeks ago uh, is not probably going to light up the bars in Manhattan uh, or in Los Angeles. But that's, you know, what, what can you do about it? Uh, there's only one way to try to get around that this, and that's to expand the playoff. It may not work, but, uh, you know, the SEC seems to like four. Frankly, they like two right now. Yeah, when people say, well, if you expand the playoffs, you're still going to get Georgia against Alabama, which could be true. But you yeah. do get more fan bases involved in this and that you're playing meaningful games, meaningful bowl games, where if right. you win that bowl game, you go to another bowl game there. It's just a question of, are we still going to get back to Alabama and Georgia or, you know, is it going to be one or two SEC teams no matter what? Well, the, whether you get back to Alabama or Georgia, I don't think is the most important point. Uh, the point is that you have a buildup. I mean, why are we watching football tonight or Saturday and Sunday to see, you know, whether you get a, a buy, to see whether you get a good seed. And, and to me, that's where the NFL has it over college football. The college football season, you have championships uh, Saturday on December 3rd. 
and then it, it goes to sleep yeah. uh, for four weeks, and we wake up on New Year's Eve, and then we're right back asleep again because the playoff games have been a total disaster. Uh, the stats prove that. I won't waste your time on it. Uh, and and then and then so you you go to bed knowing who's playing in the national championship game, and you wake up, and guess what? You've got all day football uh, of games that doesn't matter uh, in the margins. Uh, and, and but before I before we move on, Dan, let me remind you, I think it's Tuesday night this week. We have LSU and Kansas State and some bowl somewhere exclusively on ESPN. I'll watch it, but I didn't even thank you for the heads up program <laughs> reminder. What is Cincinnati's <laughs> loss going to mean for other non power five? The next team. I think the fact that they played a better game than Michigan helps. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, I was I was there, and it was an interesting game for a while. Uh, it, it was not a complete annihilation. Um, I don't think that committee next year, if they have a similar situation, is going to say, you know what, Cincinnati lost uh, by three touchdowns. Let's keep them out. Uh, I, I think what it tells me and unfortunately it's not telling the people that matter is that we really do need to expand this. I, I felt like it was a great experience for Cincinnati. I, 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 I liked having somebody new in there. And I think Luke Fickle you know, is one of the premier coaches, but uh, you know, the problem, the problem isn't Cincinnati. It's Alabama uh, because Alabama <laughs> does this to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they beat Notre Dame by, by 17 last year, even though it was really a 24 point game, they beat everyone by three touchdowns. So I think we're, we're, we're obviously blaming the wrong team. I, I think the thing to do is to move Alabama maybe to the NFC South, and we'll have a much better playoff every year. But I wondered, I had chuckled a little bit when I was reading some articles that this is the best coaching job that Saban's ever done. I mean, the last I looked, Alabama still <laughs> has the Heisman Trophy winner. They've got two really good wide receivers. They got a first-round draft pick at linebacker. I mean... That's not a bad team to have if you're going to have one of your best coach. It's not like Belichick after Brady left. You know, this is he. The cupboard wasn't bare there. So, did Saban do his best coaching job this year? Because maybe we're not familiar with these players. I think. I think. I, I used to be a newspaper columnist, Dan, as you remember, and and you're just trying to come up with something new to say about Nick Saban. Uh, <laughs> It was it was 15 years ago today. I was I was doing local radio and TV in Birmingham. He arrived from Miami, uh, and all the pundits said he wouldn't last. So I mean, we are struggling to find new things to say. And and I I, I mean I, I I came on right after the game on the on our network, and it was rather boring. Okay, Nick Saban going to another national championship. In case you've lost count, this is his tenth national championship game, whether it's BCS or or college football playoff. And I mean, you really, uh, I think, I mean, maybe I missed something on Krzyzewski, but, but John Wooden's the only guy that's come close to that. I think in, in the two major sports and I, I, it was, he did a good job, but you know, it's, it's three straight years with three different starting quarterbacks. Now two of those guys uh, are starting in the NFL right now. And the one, and the quarterback before that starting in the NFL and, and, and this year's quarterback is only the Heisman trophy winner. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably a, you're overreaching the, or over overshooting the runway to, to make that statement. I know that you're on scholarship there with the mothership. So you might choose your words carefully, but I didn't agree with Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard saying that the players who opt out of the bull games don't love football. Your thoughts. 
Um, I, I, I'm sorry, Dan, there's some <laughs> interference here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think you said it best when, uh, when, when you said that, that, you know, maybe the overnight flight from Miami to uh, Pasadena uh, clouded his judgment. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think these players uh, have the right uh, and should do anything they want. And, and your point was the best one. If the coaches can bail, uh, the players should be able to do what, whatever they want. And I, I, th- I think trying to, you know, look at the way it used to be uh, versus the way it is now is, 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 is wrong. I mean, we have a playoff now. Uh, there wasn't a playoff when I was in school, when you were in school, or when, when, when Kirk was in school. And, you know, these guys give everything. Uh, if they don't want to play in a bowl game, good for them. Uh, I mean, whole teams didn't want to play in bowl games this year. Forget players. I, I thought it was ironic, Dan, and don't think I'm trying to obfuscate here, even though I am, that uh, that none of the major bowl games got canceled, just the ones prior to New Year's Eve. Uh, now, I know the Gator Bowl uh, had a had a change of uh, team because Texas A&M couldn't make it, but, but at least they were nice about it. They, they gave the they gave the host committee a week and a half to find a team with a uh, what what they have a uh, five and seven record. So that was really benevolent of them. It's great to talk to you as always, and uh, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't get you in trouble here. Um, I don't know why I'm getting a call from Lee Fitting <laughs> right now, but uh, <laughs> Dan, it's always a pleasure. Happy, happy New Year. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Who wins the national title game? I am leaning toward the, the man of the moment. That's Nick Saban, the, the, the greatest coach in history, and the guy who I, I read this morning in USA Today, USA Today did his best coaching job. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. That's uh, Thank you very much, Paul man. Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show on ESPN Radio, the voice of the SEC. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts we say good morning as we always do on monday to carson palmer former nfl quarterback heisman trophy winner i was curious if i go back to your days at usc when you knew you were going to be the number one overall pick but let's say you were playing in the peach bowl not a playoff game would would carson palmer of today play in a game like that I would have. Um, back then, it just wasn't heard of. I mean, really, nobody had really, really done it until Christian McCaffrey did it at Stanford. And I don't remember what bowl game it was, but it wasn't the Orange Bowl. Sun bowl. And I remember at the time, the Sun Bowl. Yeah. Um, I remember at the time thinking, well, he should have a pretty good idea on what's right, knowing his dad's Ed McCaffrey and played in the league for a long time. So he's probably got some really good guidance on this. Uh, and being a running back and the hits they take and the pounding that they take and the possibility of injury is probably greater than a quarterback. But it just wasn't heard of until Christian McCaffrey did it, and now guys are doing it week in and week out as we get to bowl season, uh, and you just don't know who's available. But back then when I was playing, 
it was just a chance to play one more game. At the end of the day, in college football, you only get like 12 opportunities to put put film out there to get drafted. So, you know, my mindset back then and, and a majority of all college football players' mindset was you need game film. You need opportunities and, and chances to shine and, and show what you can do for NFL teams to be able to draft you. So it was just one more opportunity to go out and perform and hop and possibly get drafted higher. Yeah, but you knew you were going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate or you were going to win the Heisman. You were going to be a top five pick. Do you play in a game? If you had that season at USC, would you be playing in a meaningless bowl game, a, a, a non-playoff game now? Would you be like Kenny Pickett or would you be like Matt Corral? I, I would play. I mean, I, I, I played in the Senior Bowl, which which wasn't okay. really for a, a – a championship or really anything, you know, for your college career. Um, but the senior bowl came along and I got invited and I wanted to go and play and, and compete against those guys. I do understand it. I mean, at this, at, you know, I understand part of it. Guys don't want to get hurt. Guys don't want to hurt their, their draft stock, but now guys can also actually make money in college and, and put some money in the bank. Um, so you've had an opportunity to earn some money and, and put some money away for, you know, for the rest of your life. Now you're, you're hearing about, you know, Bryce at, at Alabama, you know, has already made a million bucks in college. So, you know, when you weigh in the fact that back in the day you couldn't make any money and guys didn't miss the opportunity to play in bowl games. And now guys can make money and guys are dropping out of bowl games left and right yeah. because they're worried about their future earnings. So it, it's, you know, the correlation there doesn't make sense. I, I, I think you play and if, if you really love playing the game and you love the opportunity to compete with your guys the guys you came in with, your, your, you know, your, your freshman class and, and all that. There's so many little added things that go into it that, you know, I, I, I have a tough time watching guys not play. Aaron Rodgers was asked about playing against the Lions. They've wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC. And, of course, he's been battling the toe injury. And I was wondering, does he even play in this game? Um, your thoughts on Rodgers playing or not playing in a meaningless game against the Lions? I think the most valuable player trophy means a lot more to Aaron than, than a lot of people realize. And I think he's still got a chance to win the MVP. He's possibly the front runner. If not in the top three, he could use three or four more touchdown passes, another 400 yards, another, you know, another statistically um, dominant performance in order to be in, in, you know, in the running at the end of the year for the MVP. So I see him playing. And on top of that, too, when we're talking about a little uh, a little bone in your foot that's broken, that's not going to help. That in Another week doesn't automatically fix that or change that. If it was a ligament um, issue or, or some damage to a muscle, maybe a hamstring pull or a quad pull, something like that, a week can be, um, you know, a, a, an immense amount of, of, of healing time. But when you're talking about a broken, a broken pinky toe or a broken foot, it's just not enough to, to miss an entire, an entire week's work and another chance to go out and statistically have a great day. You're the first person to answer it, I think, correctly. And that is that, M that MVP for Aaron Rodgers this year is an FU to a lot of people. And I think that that might be at the crux of this, that he can say to the Packers, hey, my foot, my toe, it's not going to get any better. Hopefully it doesn't get any worse. But uh, we're a number one seed. I don't want to be not playing for two weeks because if you don't play against Lions, you don't play in that first week of the playoffs. I want to be ready to go. And at the crux of this is probably, and it'd be nice to go back-to-back -back MVPs. 
No doubt. I mean, it, he hasn't talked about it. He can't talk about it. Anybody that's played and, and been in his position before, you know, that that is extremely important. That's another just another little piece of leverage as he yeah. moves into this offseason. <laughs> we don't know which way he's going. It's just another little bit of leverage and leverage is everything in this game. Should Baker Mayfield play against the Steelers tonight? Absolutely. hundred um, percent. He Baker's got to prove himself. And, and unfortunately he hasn't done enough to prove himself as being the, the future and the franchise and the, you know, long-term six, seven, eight year contract guy. And, but he's injured and, though, Carson. And if he hasn't proven to you yet, I don't know if playing tonight against the Steelers does anything. True. It, it, you know, he can go out and, 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 you know, operate at 60 or 70% and 60 or 70% for Baker, you know, isn't enough to beat a, a rivalry team and the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. So no doubt, but knowing Baker, he, he's got that mentality. He's not going to let anybody you know take his spot. He doesn't want, um, you know, he doesn't want to have the opportunity to stand on the sideline and watch somebody else play his position. He's very competitive. He's mm. ultra, ultra competitive. So I, I just, I think he plays and, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I wonder about it because he hasn't played well and you're playing against Steelers. It'll be big. I know it's a rivalry game, but it's a game that doesn't really mean anything. I, I don't know. It feels like he could do more harm than good. Uh, speaking of which, Antonio Brown. Um, do you have any idea who he is? Yeah, he's a, a constant distraction. I mean, now, now, Dan, we talk every week, and I talk all, all the time about just these distractions, this this issue that this team has to answer questions. Mike Evans, Tom Brady, Fournette, all, all these guys, they're going to be talking about Antonio Brown all week. Bruce Arians is going to go into every – he's got three pressers this week. Every press conference he's going to go into, he's got to talk about Antonio Brown and got it. It's, it's just another distraction. Unfortunately, I think we've seen the last Antonio Brown. I'd be shocked if somebody else gave him another opportunity. Um, but really, really disappointed. I mean, he was such a great player. He blew so many opportunities and, and really got in his own way. He consistently got in his own way in, in Pittsburgh, and we saw what happened there. He got in his own way in Oakland, Las Vegas. We saw what happened there. He now got in his own way in Tampa. And the third time's the charm. I, I think we've seen the end of, of one of the most talented, uh, athletically given uh, receivers that I've had the opportunity to watch with, with my eyes on a field. And it's just unfortunate. We're talking to Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback. I, I go back to that cheap shot by Vontez Perfect. And I, I don't know if one hit changes you, but it felt like, and, and I could be way off the base here, but it felt like that he he became something different then or something happened to him. And maybe he was a diva all the time, but I, I don't know. Just I still go back to that. And I thought about that yesterday as he's leaving the field. I'm, I go back to that shot he took from Vontez Burfick. I disagree. I, I don't think it's one hit. I don't think it's one play. I think it's a combination of fame, money, power, um, you know, he, he got a taste of that he was an undrafted guy or a, a late round draft pick from a school that a lot of people, you know, didn't know how to football team. He started off on the practice squad. He worked his way up. He went from no fame to one of the most famous players in the NFL in those couple of years there in Pittsburgh. And some guys, it's just too much to handle. Some guys can't deal with it. 
unfortunately, the more fame, the more the more respect, the more power he's gotten to be able to show up and not want to put cleats on or whatever that issue was in Las Vegas with his cleats and his burnt feet. You know, once you get a taste of that fame and that power, um, you know, unfortunately, some guys can't handle it. And it just looks like he couldn't handle it because the situation was so good with John Gruden there playing for the Raiders and Derek Carr and that system would have been so good. Not that the system wasn't so good for him with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I mean, another great situation. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall with Ben, you know, getting older and going downhill, but there he was in playing for the Raiders in a great situation. Then New England and then Tampa. I mean, the the situations and, and the quarterbacks he's had a chance to play with, not everybody gets that opportunity. And not very many guys would would absolutely ruin those opportunities. And we've seen him consistently ruin every opportunity he's gotten. Matthew Stafford fascinates me and worries me. All in the same game. And not necessarily in that order, Carson. What concerns do you have, if any? Well, just like you said, the inconsistencies. I mean, some of the balls he throws, there's only two or three other guys in the league can actually throw that ball. And then some of the balls he, he throws, there's a whole bunch of guys across the country that could throw those and make that decision. Um, you know, it's at some point, you know, we're starting to get into past that point of where it's a new team. It's a new offense. It's a new system. They're new receivers. He's had plenty of time to consistently work with those guys and develop rapport and trust and respect with those guys. Unfortunately, there's times he just doesn't look on the same page where he's expecting a guy to be a little higher in a route or a little flatter in a route. And he's off one way or the other. So we're getting to that point where it is starting to be concerning because they've had plenty of time to work and, and develop that relationship and that rapport. Unfortunately, we're getting to that time where one of those decisions, one of those errant throws can cause you to go home and, and not, no longer play in the playoffs. So it's absolutely concerning. Um, they have enough talent. They have enough um, just raw athletes on both sides of the ball to overcome one of those in the playoffs. But when you start talking about one or two of those decisions in the play in the playoffs, those can bite you in the butt. How do you utilize Cooper cup? Because he's not your prototypical number one wide receiver, wide guy, speed guy. So as a quarterback, how do you utilize? Well, I know they've done a pretty good job because he's got, you know, 1800 yards this year. But what, what is it, you know, how do you utilize somebody who doesn't necessarily beat you with great speed? You just get the ball in his hands. Get, get the ball in his hands. Give him as many chances. He had a play. He, was, he had a six or seven-yard gain on third down, and it looked like he was going to step out of bounds. And, and somehow, some way, he made a cut back inbounds and got another 15 or 20 yards out of a play where you're just going, there, there's nothing left in this play except for a guy like Cooper Cup who can just – like a magician, find a way to to almost step out of bounds, but cut back against the grain and make three guys miss. Uh, you don't got it. It's not about running four two. It's not about a forty five inch vertical jump. It's about when the ball is in your hands. What do you do with it? And he consistently from from week one of his rookie year until right now, he's consistently made plays. He's consistently created separation to get open, and then his yak and 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 yards after the first touch. I mean, he's breaking tackles, he's spin moving, he's cutting against the grain. Uh, he may not be the prototypical 4-2, 42-inch vertical guy, but he's a number one, uh, you know, he's a number one threat from a receiver position in just about every offense across the league. Everybody would take him. Great stuff. Great to talk to you again, Carson. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year to you and uh, the family.
Thanks, Dan. Happy New Year. That's Carson Palmer. His weekly appearance during the NFL season brought to you by our partner, Level Select CBD. Looking for next level relief? Visit levelselectcbd.com.